Turn It On, the Level 42 fan podcast is in no way affiliated with the band. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Turn It On, the Level 42 Fan Podcast. We are here with our typical trio from here in the United States, here to talk the time away about all things Level 42. I am Bob Considine, Mikey Payne, our other co-host. Say hello. Hello, everybody. The irrepressible Winston M. Walker, Winman with many faces and many names. Please say hello. Hey, fellas, how's everybody today? All right. And again, Bob Constantine saying hello to the Level 42 fans out there, both past, current, and future from all over the world. We appreciate you being here for a de- our debut episode. Uh, so, fellas, our first Turn It On podcast, hopefully the first among many. Uh, I think I th- speak for all of us when I say I hope this could be a different kind of platform for our Level 42 fans to congregate and ponder what of about the greatest band ever to walk planet Earth. Uh, I really want to thank you guys, Winston and, and uh, Mikey, for uh, planting this seed. This was kind of your baby. Uh, I, I get conversation started there. I want to ask you what you both hope to get out of this. Well, uh, personally, I thought it'd just be kind of fun to sort of digitally hang out with other fans. Um, we've obviously, I think all of us have met through this band, a ton of really cool people and it kind of cool to dredge up some old memories and make some new ones. Yeah. When, and I, I agree with when, you know, it's, we, we've been fortunate. I, all three of us have been very fortunate, uh, being a fan of a band, especially of level 42. Um, and we've made so many close friendships that have, uh, devolved into actual families. I mean, people have people that we know got married because they met uh, because of level 42. And we, we, each of us alone have so many special memories. And uh, as we get older and, you know, the stresses of life hit you, sometimes it's really good to kind of look back and be like, wow, we, we actually got to do that. Yeah. You know, we, you know, not bragging about it, but you know, it was like, you know, how many people get to, have this kind of experience with a band that they love, you know, Absolutely. and, and, and I know a lot of friends would always ask me, you know, why are you listen to level 42 all the time? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, trying to explain why I have this mad, crazy passion for a band, yep. uh, so many thousands of miles away. Yeah, totally true. And, uh, you know, especially here in America, I think it's, even more challenging here in the United States. It's even harder to explain why you're a level 42 fan um, because the exposure was just that much less, I think. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about the music, how they deliver it, how unique it is for me anyway. Um, and I have to say most people who get to hear uh, beyond, you know, the two songs you might hear on us radio here uh they say yeah you know i can get it this is definitely some really good music uh, you know for me i'm hoping this podcast could be a, a venue where uh, obviously uh fans can join as guests uh you know those who are uniquely uh part of the history of the band can join as guests you know tangential relationships and yes very hopefully maybe band members may uh past and present might be able to join as guests as we go forward. Level 42 have given us so much, and I know it's just us, but it'll be nice for Level 40 to hear what kind of impacts they really had on some of their fans' lives, you know, just by, you know, it, you know, sort of a thank you for what you've given us all these 43 years. Absolutely, um, absolutely. I don't know about you, Wynn, but I, like, whenever I have any interaction with any band member, you know, past, current, whatever, uh, it is always starts with a thank you. And I, you know, you try to put it to them that, you know, how much imp- input or impact they have on your lives. And they, 
you don't want to sound ridiculous about it, but at the end of the day, it's really true. I don't know what you've found in your interactions. Well, I kind of always felt that no matter what I say, there's always someone who's had a crazier experience with the band. Like I obviously didn't get married because of the band or anything like that, but I'm sure they've heard every iteration of fan stories. Um, but they're always cool listening. Um, and it's kind of fun because honestly, I never expected to, I mean, I've been fans of lots of things, lots of artists, lots right. of teams, things of that nature. I never had this kind of experience with any other sort of fandom, Right. you know, that, oh, I kind of like this song. Oh, I like this band. Oh, eventually this is my favorite band. Never thought I'd meet them. Never thought I'd go to as many shows as I did. Yep. That was never my thing. It's like I went to tons of shows before I ever got to see Level 42, but I never, you know, hung out after a show or went <laughs> to a show before it started in the hopes that you would see the band, you know, just wasn't in right. my thought process. But, you know, that's pretty, pretty damn cool. Yeah, you know, um, they would say, you know, never meet your heroes. But I have to say, when it comes to these guys, uh, you know, by and large, I mean, anybody can have a bad day with uh, and maybe not get the best reception. But these guys have been very um, friendly, uh, accessible. Um, and, you know, when you kind of add that on to what they provide sonically as the kind of the soundtrack to your life, it really is a, a great thing that we've had them as far as for as long as we've had and uh basically long may continue is what i say yeah bob it uh i you know I, i've been fortunate and i, I want to share my experiences like you guys the one for me that i'll never forget and and this just speaks again excuse the pun to the level of the just the humanity of the guys that we love in the band yeah uh, a good friend of mine had just been diagnosed with stage four kidney cancer, was given two years to live, and he found out just as I was recovering from major spinal surgery and learning how to walk again, meeting up with my buddy, he was like, oh, it'd be really cool if I could see a sound check or something. And a good friend of mine, Norman Van Wildenberg, and some other friends got in touch with the band, and the band allowed me, Mark, and his wife, Linda, uh, to a private sound check uh, before the Bristol gig in uh, 2016. It's awesome. And very cool, very cool. so they 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 play their five songs at the beginning of that that's that set list, and then Mark turns uh, to Mark Beardsley and says, uh, "What song do you want us to play?" <laughs> and of course, me and Linda are like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And throwing songs at my buddy Mark, and and Mark just says, "Love meeting love." Because wow. it was uh, Mark and Linda met the same year Love Meeting Love came out. Right. And uh, so they launched into uh, Love Meeting Love, and it was freaking amazing. It was, <laughs> it, and it's really surreal, too. You know, you're sitting there, just imagine, you know, you and your friends, just you and two friends, no one else in the hall, and Level 42 right in front of you, staring at you, looking at your face and everything. Yeah. It, it was. And then they came down the chat to us afterwards and it just spoke to, you know, not, not a lot of bands do that. No, no not a lot don't. of artists do that. They don't have to do that. Right. And, and I, and I know that the band have done that for other people in other situations. And, Absolutely. and uh, for me, along with your music and just knowing how genuine these, these guys are, mm -hmm. you know, that makes, that takes the music to another level. Excuse the pun. <laughs> yeah. Listen, after my intro and my my outro, there'll be more puns than you could possibly handle. So don't worry about it. Mike. You guys get three an episode. If you say level as a pun more than three times, it's over. I'm gonna go oh broke. God. I'm gonna go broke then by the end of this series. Right, right. <laughs> Wayne, I wanted to ask you. You've had many interactions with the band yourself. Is there a favorite one? you'd like to talk about uh probably okay probably one of my favorite times was one of my most embarrassing times um Ooh. there was there was an isle of white gig 
You mean besides right now? <laughs> this is not embarrassing. This is just being honest. Um, I'm kidding. So, yeah, one of the Isle of Wight gigs, we had gone to Joe Daflo's before the show. We go to the gig, um, and then, you know, I don't know if something was said, but it was, I guess we had learned that, you know, a bunch of fans, a bunch of people were going to go back to Joe Daffo's after the show, and they were able to do whatever they do to keep the bar open late. <laughs> and Mark's dad was there. And I got to chat with him for a little bit. We were talking about boxing and all kinds of stuff like that. A lot of fans there and really good time. People getting stuff signed and everything. And then a bunch of us are standing around having a chat with Mark. And I kind of drifted out of the conversation to talk to two other fans. And Mark asked me a question. Right. And I guess I really didn't know what they were talking about, or I thought, <laughs> oh, we're still in this conversation. <laughs> and I answered, and literally everyone just kind of looked at me. It got really quiet because obviously, whatever I said had nothing right. to do with the conversation they were talking about. Record scratch, right? Yeah. And then they all just kind of turn away and go back to talking. And I was just like, wow, <laughs> that was super, super embarrassing. But it was also pretty funny. Right, so, right. But that, that was a fun time because, you know, to be able to kind of mingle with family and the band and, and, and a bunch of fans. And yeah. there were also a bunch of fans there who I think it was probably their first time and they're getting stuff signed. It's like pretty awesome. Yep. So that's probably one of the, you know, best yeah. times I can remember. Hey, Bob, what about you? Well, you know, I've had a lot of, I've been fortunate, like you guys have had some, some pretty good interactions and including, you know, interviewing Mark King a couple of times for my different writing um, assignments. But I, I keep coming around to a time as probably like, oh, early 2000s or something, maybe late 90s. I can't remember, but Delata, which is Mike Lindup's it was his old Brazilian band, was in New York City uh, for a show. And uh, I think when you were at that show as well in New York. Yeah, I remember but that. But before that, you know, it was like, it was probably after a sound check. Uh, we, me and my friend, you know, you guys remember Greg J mate, another us, uh, level head. Uh, we were kind of standing up, right. Great bass player. And we were standing out, uh, in front of this small venue and Mike came out and we started talking and he's like, Hey, you guys want to go for a coffee? Um, because you know, he had, he just wanted to get a, a coffee, I guess. And we went over to Starbucks and basically, uh, I paid for it because I wanted to make sure he stayed as long as possible. And we, we just chewed his ear off for a good half hour. Uh, you, held, having, you held him hostage? You can't I leave did, him basically. Pay. Yeah, no. And he was just like, you know, you talk about like, uh, what are the odds that you're going to be sitting there having a, a venti whatever uh, with the keyboardist and, and founding member of Level 42? So it was that, that one's always a great one for me. That's fantastic, Bob. Yeah, That's good That's fantastic. Man. Good man. In a storm. Yep. <laughs> uh, so while we're on the topic of origins for this first Turn It On uh, fan podcast, Level 42 fan podcast, I'll ask, uh, Mike, I'll ask this first of you, and this is a tough one. What okay. is the first song you heard from Level 42? Although I didn't know it was Level 42 at the time, the very first song I ever heard was The Sun Goes Down, Living It Up. Very interesting. Do you remember where it was or radio? Or? Uh, my dad kept uh, it was on the radio, and my late father was doing living it up, living it up. So it's that stuck in my head. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, becoming a level forty-two fan, I play uh, "Standing in the Light," and I'm like, "Oh, that's them." Right. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So that goes pretty far back. What about you, Win? Uh, Star, Child. Um, Star Child. I didn't know who they were at the time because it wasn't. Uh, well, I did hear that song on radio growing up in New York area. I radio wasn't the first time, or it wasn't 
a situation where a radio DJ said, oh, this is the song, blah, blah, by this band, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I just knew the song. Buddy of mine had the 12-inch single. I bought a copy because we were kind of, we were in high school, we were DJing at the time. So we always had like, wanted to have two copies of songs that were very popular. It was a very popular club song, got radio play. Every place we went to to have a party, the song got played. So Star Child being the first one. But again, I, you know, once I got the record in my hands, I'm like, oh, okay, level 42, whatever. Mm -hmm. To me, it was just, oh, this is a great song. There was, you know, I remember the sleeve was the first album cover, you know, with the, with the princess woman. Right. Um, so, but it didn't have really any information. Obviously, there was not a picture of the guys. Mm -hmm. So, of course, mm -hmm. me and my friends like, oh, this is a R&B group somewhere from America somewhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that was the the first song that I heard by them. Yeah, and that's kind of weird because... You know, it's a Mike Linda vocally led song. And, you know, those are, you know, pretty far and few between at, at the uh, end of the day with that band's history, you know. And you're probably like, you probably heard their second song and not even know it was the same band. <laughs> Just because yeah, I think if I can remember that, I think that was the third single from the first album. Mm -hmm. But that's really? the oh, one. Yeah. That's the one that we got here. Well, at least, you know, where I grew up. Yep. And. You know, I, I wound up inheriting most of the vinyl that we all DJ with me on my buddies after high school. Yep. I joined the military. I came home after basic training, got a bunch of stuff, grabbed most of my records, my turntables, mixer, all that stuff, took it back to my first uh, duty station. Um, and eventually I flipped that record over because, again, it was still just... A great song but i had never flipped it over to hear what was on the b-side right 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 but i remember making a tape for someone a mixtape for someone and not in the sense that tv and movies say mixtape literally right. just i was mixing records like a dj would play a set in a club right and i was like oh and i was always trying to turn people on to stuff that they hadn't heard like this is the stuff that I grew up on. I'm going to put Star Child on here. I know they've never heard this. And then, you know, I remember like, oh, let me flip it over and see what's on the other side. That was Turn It On. That song blew me away. And that's what spurred me on to, okay, two great songs. I got to go get the album. Wow. Yeah. And I couldn't get where I was at in Dover, Delaware country small town <laughs> although dover's the capital they didn't have the first album they had the pursuit of accidents and right that did it for me like oh i'm in love with this band so then yeah it's like let's find everything you can yeah i was gonna say you know <laughs> that's a challenge to find that album and especially in dover delaware <clears throat> if you're lucky to find plumbing at that point i uh, was i was <laughs> seriously true. seriously true. shocked and it was a cassette they had that album on a cassette right and I was just like, oh, wow, this is, this yeah. is cool stuff. And so what was your uh, moment? For me, see? yeah. Uh, you know, I have a, a a very clear vision of this. And unfortunately, I'm not as, uh, I don't go back as far as you do in terms of discovering the band. But like, the date was uh, May 23rd, 1986. And I was at uh, my junior prom. Uh, with a girl who is way, way out of my league. And uh, I am having the best time. I am dancing, even though I'm terrible at dancing. And something about you came on. The DJ played it on the floor. And I'm bopping up and down to the song, very happy. And I'm like, man, this is a great song. And I don't know if it was because it was my mood <laughs> that I love this song so much. But um, kind of after the prom, I remember hearing it on the radio like the next day. I'm like, this is a really good song and i heard it i loved it um and then i didn't buy the album until i actually saw hot water as a video on mtv so that's, we're talking a few months later yeah 
Um, and that I was like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me with this. Cause I, you know, I was kind of a, a muso kind of fan of music, uh, at an early age. Not that I was a muso, but I just loved particularly English bands who played their instruments. Well, mm -hmm. uh, I was really kind of turned on to it. And that's when I bought world machine. And that's when it was like, oh, man, this is just a great album, you know, top to bottom. And so that was my entree. That was my first album. Um, and that's kind of got the ball rolling. And then you discover, as as you guys know, uh, that was far from being the first level 42 album, World Machine. And then you discover, oh, wow, there's all this back catalog. And here I am in New York City record stores and seeing what's yeah. this. And that's when that's when the uh, that those are your watershed moments, because then you're like, I'm going to bring this home. And you discover this and that albums and it, you know it just there was a lot to go on right from the start you know absolutely bob and uh to take it even higher than that is when you discover that this band that you love hearing on the radio can actually play their stuff live and not only can they play it live they yeah. can play that out of it yeah um <laughs> the, the in fact you said hot water Bob, just a minute ago, mm -hmm. the first live track I ever heard of theirs was a B-side, and it was the live version of Hot Water right. from Physical Presence. Yeah. And the way it started with that, boom, 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 I was like, what in the hell's that? And then it just, I was like, wow, I'd never heard anything like that. And yeah. I'm like, and of course, you know, you don't, you're not seeing them, you're just hearing it, and you're like, what the hell are they doing in there, making yep. these sounds? And Mike Linda going insanely fun, crazy on synths and mm -hmm. hearing this thundering bass rhythmic 16th note miracle. It, right. And then Phil Gould's drumming. Hello. Yeah. And then, and then you got to mention the, the late great uh, Boone Gould Absolutely. and, and, and Al Murphy and Alan Holdsworth, yep. uh, you know, but taking their albums, which were great, to a whole different excuse the pun level uh when when you discover that this is a live band that can sell out arenas and we're at one point what the hardest working band in britain yeah uh mm -hmm. from their live material yeah uh, because i know all of us have gone to gigs for other artists and been like oh hell why did i come why mm -hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, discovering the live clip it was like yeah i i gotta i gotta go see what this is all about Absolutely. You know, live at Wembley, the, the concert video, that was actually on MTV. Uh, they used to have a like a Friday night concert, believe it or not, at midnight. Yes. Yeah. And that actually aired. And, you know, I was getting more familiar with the band at that point. But that is, uh, you know, that's that's the blueprint. Right. I mean, that just shows them at the height of their powers. Um, great song selection, great interplay between the band, uh, great visuals. Um, so, you know, wow, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was only maybe once or twice that it happened, but they were, that yeah. concert was definitely on MTV. Yeah, it was. Cause I caught it in the middle and, uh, didn't have a VCR then. <laughs> oh, I, had, I had that sucker on VHS and then I got the <laughs> Japanese laser disc and I'll never forget. I bought the Japanese laser disc and like maybe a month later, I go into Tower Records in Manhattan, and mm -hmm. they had a U.S. Laserdisc, and I'm like, "Son of a, yeah, I just spent so much money on this import, and I could have got it for 24 bucks on Laserdisc here in Manhattan, but it was, it was worth it." But I remember distinctly, uh, you know, um, watching one of the MTV news reports or whatever. What was the that that first big female? VJ they had Martha was it Martha something a uh, Martha Quinn Martha Quinn oh she was yeah that's Quinn. right yeah I remember her doing us a, a quick news report about because at that point the World Machine album had come over to America but yep. you know they had added hot water to the U.S. release mm -hmm. and she was saying oh they just recently filmed the video for their new single Hot Water and I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. They filmed that years ago because it was on another album. Like, right. but you know, that's the way they were spinning it. But I, right. I found that very interesting. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of. Well, cool let's that. think about that though. I mean, yes, that song wasn't on on the True Colors album, but I think that video might have been a new shoot though. 
because it was the world machine version was different i i could be wrong maybe you guys know it's just, there's only one to my best of my knowledge there's only one version of that video no i know that but i mean i think that might have been a new shoot at that point as martha was saying I, even though it was an older song i think the video was actually new at that point no i thought the video was out for that out for the true colors album I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna go up to the videotape. What do you think, Mike? Well, I know there were a lot of US fans not very happy knowing the fact that the UK version of World Machine was different than the US version. Mm. Yeah. We probably like, better. Uh, yeah, that was an, uh, one of many sins in my opinion that Polygram Polydor dropped the ball on our guys. Yeah. You know, you like, think about that hard, how hard it is to follow a band as a US fan with different tracks <laughs> you know from the u.s version to the uk version it's just it's impossible you know yeah and when lessons in love came out they were promoting world machine and so people were buying world machine for something about you and lessons in love and lessons in love wasn't on it and mm -hmm. there was no album coming with lessons and you know it was like where do you get it right <laughs> well yeah i kind of understand what they were trying to do with well okay we're going to try to break this band big in america mm -hmm. we've got this album we're going to toss in some other songs that have already been hits in other parts of the world yeah maybe that makes that album even 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 bigger you know because obviously yep. they weren't going to re-release hot water as a single in england right you know right. but i get the the thing you know i i understand what they were trying to do there and i but mm -hmm. i also remember that yeah, because I remember seeing them with Steve Winwood at Madison Square Garden, and they played Lessons in Love, and it was like, mm -hmm. I felt like, oh, this is kind of weird, because people are going to hear this song, and they can't mm -hmm. buy it yet. Like, that album, Running the Fair, hadn't come out yet. Yep. But they're promoting, basically, the World Machine album. Yeah. But I kind of got the impression that people that were there that knew, you know, okay, maybe the vast majority of the folks were there to see Steve Winwood. Mm -hmm. They knew something about you. When that song came on, it was like, oh, okay, I may not have heard of this band, but I know this song because it's it's hot. Yeah. And I, I felt like they they got a good reception with uh, Lessons in Love as well. Yep. So. Uh, and also going back to the MTV time, <clears throat> since we're focusing on it, they also did... You know, they would have the top 20 video countdown and level 42 was actually kind of the feature artist on one countdown where they were riding around in boats you know kind of toy oh, boats yeah. and uh and i, I never I saw that live yeah i did see that live obviously there's tapes of it here but i did see what, it live what, what, what would be the name of those tapes that we uh, we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going there it's we've got many uh... more podcasts. Oh, oh come well, on so so <laughs> all right let me let me put this out there i um obviously when i got on the internet you know first you're like first oh. the earth cooled go on <laughs> you know and you're like okay well what can i start searching for so you start searching for things that you like i searched for the band eventually found this level 42 web digest thing, this email mm -hmm. list where people were talking about the band. I get, got to meet a couple of people locally in Manhattan who I'm, you know, still friends with today. Lolita Jackson being one of them, still one of my best friends. Shout out I to eventually Lolita. met. She's Bob. brilliant. She's brilliant. But I knew of Bob because he had compiled or somehow gotten a hold of all this video material. He made these tapes that became known as quote unquote the Bob C tapes through all of these fans, especially the USA fans. So a lot of that stuff, that was my first exposure to it because I wasn't a at that point, I wasn't a big MTV watcher. You know, um a few years, you know, when MTV started, I was, you know, I was watching it all the time. Mm -hmm. But I saw I discovered so much stuff from level 42 on those volumes of tapes. Because at that point, I had never, you know, I'd seen, you know, a live song here or there, right. um, but never a live concert. Right. And those tapes had, you know, those early live concerts uh, probably had the, the, you know, the first two Rock Palace gigs. 
Yeah. And that that blew my mind. Yes. Like, whoa, I missed yeah. all of this stuff. Yep. Because while, you know, I came in with Star Child and I was getting albums, I had no way of getting live material because obviously it wasn't being broadcast in America. Mm-hmm. You know, my live experience at that point was, you know, trolling Manhattan, every record shop, buying records. And, ooh, there's a live B-side track on this 12-inch single. Yep. How awesome. You know, so that was pretty cool. And then I believe, you know, I had, you know, Tower Records was a great source of foreign magazines. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting a copy of Record Collector magazine. Yeah. Someone was selling a bootleg tape of one of the shows. So I had gotten, I ordered this tape from England, cassette. Horrible quality, but it was a full gig. So I I was happy, you know? So that, so that was a big turning point in my fandom because I met Lolita. We met, and that was literally the first time I'd ever been in a Starbucks in my life. We met at a Starbucks around the corner from my apartment. We go back to my apartment. She's got these tapes. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. You know? And yeah, that kind of like took it to a whole nother level. Like there's, oh, okay, I did it. There's all of this stuff that I have not been privy to all these years since, you know, I discovered the band in like 81 or something. Right. And when uh, you had mentioned uh, the Steve Winwood gig at Madison Square Garden. So I think I'd want to ask both you guys, what was your first uh, Level 42 concert? The first gig was supposed to be Crystal Palace. Mm. However... I was doing business for the U.S. government in 1991, and uh, my assignment got extended, and I missed it. So my very first gig was Brighton Dome, 1994, uh, the night before the last gig at Albert Hall in 94, which was my second gig. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God there's a bootleg of the Brighton very good one gig very good that i got many years later because that was my first experience i was front and center right between mike and mark and i was in shock because i had never heard them in person and if you haven't ever heard the band in person it's it's hard to explain i guess but it 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 sounded amazing so i was in shock just kind of total overstimulated where they call it a right yeah, but uh, unbeknownst to me, my late great friend who we just lost, Mr. Ian Buck. Right. Rest right. B- right. B- yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I have lots of stories to share in future episodes with me and Ian. Um, he asked me right before that Brighton gig, uh, you know, what's your favorite song on, on this tour? And I said, World Machine. I love World Machine. And he says, uh, okay. So after the gig, he says, did you hear your name? I'm like, no, no. So just about a year ago, I was going through that Brighton Dome bootleg and actually was really listening to it with headsets and realized at some point Mark King shouts out my name. I thought he was saying Mike Linda play or Mike play, but he actually says Michael Payne or Mikey Payne. And And I just sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, I just heard it. <laughs> All those years later. Um, but then the second night, the next night at the, the Albert Hall, that was really emotional, especially during uh, Jacko's guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's over right. at the Albert Hall. I, I, I am not ashamed to admit mm-hmm. I was bawling my my eyes out. Oh. And uh, um, that was just, and being at Albert Hall for the first time was, wow. That Just looking back during something about you and seeing everyone just go, crazy it was yeah. i never got to see wembley so i got to see albert hall so that was really cool except it was the last gig at that right. time at that time right and who knew at that point right that would uh they would have you know it would take a while but they would come back and they never left you know we're talking uh right about 2000 or so 2001 what about yeah, you when, I, what was your first gig uh mine was uh 86 Manhattan Ritz Club in Greenwich Village, New York. 
So um, jealous. So jealous. I had just no, I, not just, but I got out of the military, stayed in Maryland for a bit, then I moved back to New York. I got a job at a company down on Wall Street, and I remember distinctly there was some sort of, uh, sort of a Nam show kind of thing in New York. You know, like a show for musicians. You know, and all the instrument manufacturers come but it was it was ra- relatively small not nowhere near the size of nam yeah um but i went to that show and there was a guy displaying he had a huge stand-up cardboard stand-up of mark king from the <laughs> living it up video right because the, he was he had you know there was an ad out there where he was advertising those uh super wound strings right yep Yep. So they had this huge stand-up of that poster, and I immediately went over there. And I don't know who the guy was, whether he was the head of the company or whatever, but, you know, obviously we start talking about Mark Kang, level 42. I'm a big fan. He's like, hey, they're going to be coming here this year. You know, I spoke to the band, whatever, and I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to keep my eyes out. So I remember uh, in Manhattan, there was the Village Voice newspaper you know, like the weekly paper and it, you know, they had editorial stuff, but a bunch of ads for, you know, if you wanted to stay up on what was going on in Manhattan, whether it was things going on at the museums or concerts or movies, that was the paper to get. So every week I go to work, I think Village Voice came out on Wednesdays or something and I would get that paper, man, and I would scour it like Mm -hmm. looking. And then one morning, I saw the ad, you know, they were playing at the Ritz and I'm like, Oh, okay. Awesome. You know, I told all my buddies, you know, and you know, most of the guys that I knew, you know, my friends that I was in the military with, they all became big fans of the band. So I called them all up. They all came in to New York and we went to the show and we, and that was the first time that I had ever gone to a show hours early in the hopes of seeing the band come in or you know we heard them do the sound check and that's it yeah and then like boone and mark came out had a few words you know there's maybe like 10 people you know and they jumped in a cab and then minutes later mike and phil came out they hung around for a few minutes and it was literally phil who told us they were going to be on saturday night live that Saturday, that comes Saturday. That's amazing. That's right. Just... So it was cool. So, you know, we got pictures with them. They signed stuff for, for people, you know, and and then the gig was just mind blowing. You know? That is, yeah. And what an amazing time to see those guys too, not from a standpoint of how they played, but here they are really trying to break America. So I bet you they were very receptive to any fans who would actually interact with them you know they're in new york city you know they've got a a song charting uh it must have been just really heady stuff to see these guys at that point yeah if you if you go to youtube there's a clip of of level 42 performing something about you on saturday night live and uh you can see how very raw and it it is the performance and it's it's really cool especially seeing annie in the mix there too uh, and I didn't know until like a year ago that they were on American Bandstand. I never knew that. They were on a few couple t- times. few times. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were also on um, Showtime at the Apollo. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were, I mean, there was, okay. So around that time, there were all these sort of teen dance shows happening, oh, yeah. like locally, yeah. like. There was a big one in Philadelphia because I was I was stationed most of the time in Delaware, so we got a lot of Philadelphia television stations. Right, and they were on some local Philadelphia teen dance show. You know, it was basically like a a cheap knockoff of American Bandstand, mm-hmm. but they would occasionally have live bands. You know, and I didn't see this until a year or two later. Like I was in Manhattan eventually when I saw this clip and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they were on this show. Like, you know, it was kind of, kind of amazing. It's just sort of like, this would have been like 
your local TV station, mm-hmm. not the national affiliate, but just right. like one of the local, like your favorite band shows up there to perform, <laughs> you know? It's level so, 42 on Wonderama, right? Oh, <laughs> Oh man, if you grew up in New York area, you know what Wonderama is. That was awesome. I don't know that, but oh, I I must say that in hindsight, they should have been on Austin City Limits on PBS. God, whoever so whoever dropped the ball on that should be fired. Um, hashtag Level Forty Two should have been on Austin City Limits. They also yeah. should have been on, uh, you know, Jules's show overseas. Uh, Jules Holland, yeah. I don't know why they've never been on that show. Huh. Yeah. I see. My my experience with Austin City Limits is like Stevie Ray Vaughan and that kind of thing. Like, I've personally never seen a po- sort of a pop band on that show. I'm sure there have been probably lots of them, but you know, the only time I watched that show when it was like, you know, it's like country or blues or something like that right you know well some of those you know some of those that's cool though. big festival shows they they have a name but the music doesn't always fit you know you can see aerosmith at some jet ja- uh some yeah. jazz fest right i mean yeah, it, you're right happens. yes yes or or casino yeah right yeah yeah um I, you know, my first gig was the one met uh Winston I mentioned earlier, which was level 42 had opened for Steve Winwood. Um Awesome was, tour. Yeah, it was. And I got to tell you, Steve Winwood was great, too. I mean, really. Yeah, I, yeah. Had, I had no expectations, but my gosh, he was fantastic. But from my part, I mean, I, I, it was it was great to be there, but it wasn't um, it wasn't intimate at all. You know, I felt like other than Winston being at the show and we didn't know each other back then, uh, I feel like there was maybe 15 of us who actually knew some of these songs you know the non-hit songs you know um so it was kind of like i always felt it was lacking for me because i honestly i didn't get to actually see them or you know i didn't get to see mark king until 1999 in the uk because they, they never came back to america after 1988 right 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 yeah so. i saw that yeah it was 86 the ritz 87 at the ritz Fantastic. Uh, I saw them do Madison Square Garden opening for Steve Winwood. I saw them play Rutgers in Piscataway, New Jersey. Oh, that kills me. Uh, which was Lolita was attending Rutgers at that time and didn't go to that show. <sighs> yeah, that, and, that hurts. That really hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember my mom went, went with us to the Rutgers show. Really? She, she, she liked Steve Winwood, and, you know, mm-hmm. she liked, she obviously. Being around me, she heard some level forty-two stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, but I I I really enjoyed the the uh, Master Square Garden show. Yeah, because well, you know, it's, it wasn't like the Ritz, but Master Square Garden is not a really it's not a big venue. It really isn't. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean... <laughs> and we weren't all the way at the back. We were on the floor, like in the middle. Right. But I don't care because I was just so psyched to like see them. You know, and Steve Winwood was really big. Yep. Uh, he had that huge album that blew up. You know, yep. he was all over MTV. I knew him before that. Uh, but that was, you know, if it was just Steve Winwood, I would have been happy with that show. But to yep. see my favorite band like opened was like, oh, this is this is cool. Yeah. Bonus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm grateful I got to see the original four guys, but I, I I wish I got one of those small gigs at the Ritz or Rutgers like you were able to get. That yeah, uh, if I could just go back in time. Yeah. Well, my Rutgers Rutgers was a worse experience seating wise for me. Okay, like we weren't on the floor; we were like, you know, and obviously Rutgers gymnasium was not as big as Madison Square Garden, but we were kind of up, <laughs> sort of in the rafters there. Right. Are but you just trying a to make great view? Are you just trying to make me feel better now, Winners? No, no, that's, that's <laughs> the way it was. I, I'll forget. And, and I saw the Rutgers show was before Madison Square Garden. Okay. And they opened with Fashion Fever. Yep. And I was like, eh, that's an odd choice. But you know, <laughs> I, I guess I'm thinking like singles, and that wasn't a single. So, but, yeah, but- hey, you got to open the show with something, right? I wasn't expecting that. 
Right. So I wasn't like, why would you play this song? I don't right. like this song. I love the song. Mm-hmm. It's just, it wasn't what I expected. Like, you right. know, like, what are they going to open with? Like, that probably wasn't even a thought in my mind. Like, I was just like, whatever they're going to do, I'm I'm down for it. Yeah. But I agree with you. The Live Wembley, a uh, good opening song, I thought, for uh, for that gig. It's a shame they didn't release the full damn gig. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it is, um, you know, I think we've been fortunate that we've had a chance to see a lot of that footage that didn't make the final cut. Um, yeah. Even if yeah. it's just one camera panning left to right, but still. You know. Yeah, I think you have to appreciate it. It's like vinyl was back in the day. This was VHS. Yep. You weren't going to put a two-hour show on a VHS, on a on a videotape at the time yeah. a lot yep. of people weren't doing it and a lot of artists weren't doing full concerts on you know video release i can remember like um phil collins being one of the first that i can recall where it was like the full show like almost two and a half hours of one right. of those shows you know that just wasn't done um just like you know they were all always editing stuff for vinyl release because you know there's only so much you can put on one side of that album without making it sound crappy. So I think that's what it is. But you know, when you're a big fan of somebody like you want it all. Yeah. Yeah. Like give you me can't. everything. Yeah. You can't though. Yeah. I, I hear you. Yeah. 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 What about, you know, uh, we're kind of on the subject of origins here on our first uh, level 42 fan podcast, turn it on. You know, we got 40 years just about, for each of us you guys closer to 40 me a little bit you know 36 30 37 years <laughs> um but if you know gun to your head top three songs what are you telling people okay so that that's always a hard proposition for yep. probably any artist but if it's your favorite it's like okay i could pick you know like i remember at some point i was trying to do a tape like oh, okay i'm gonna make a long tape right of go through every album and it's like you wind up picking more songs than you leave off from albums Mm -hmm. but for me okay star child would be in there first song Mm -hmm. that i heard and it's still a classic song it's a song that i'll never get tired of hearing live Mm -hmm. like i'm never going to get burnt out on hearing that that song live um Love Games would mm-hmm. be in my top three because it's one of the best drum and bass grooves I've ever, ever heard. Yeah. I grew up listening to a lot of funk. Yep. Bootsy, Parliament, Funkadelic, Chic with Bernard Edwards on bass, James Brown. That groove is one of the best ever. Um, so that's there. And the other one for me is one that they've never done live. I'm sure I will never hear it live. It's a B-side track. Um, wow. Return of the Handsome Rugged Man. That really? is probably my favorite song of wow. all time by them. That, that, would, that would sound cool live. Yeah. yeah that just, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't recall what single that was the B-side to. Yeah, me either. But I remember getting that, and that was a big thing, Bob. Like, like you said, like we, you go to different record shops in Manhattan, like, and go to that L section, and I would find a twelve-inch single, and like, oh, it's got a song on the flip side I've never heard of, and I'd yeah. be so excited to get home and throw that on. And I heard that one, and I was just like, because plus at the time I was like, I was big time in the jazz fusion. I was big in the um weather report and that just gave me that feeling of classic jazz funk fusion weather report type of stuff yeah and i i just love 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 that song yeah and if i can indulge myself the fourth song would be love in a peaceful world okay that's a that's a you're moving up in years there, right? I mean, from, <laughs> but no, that's a great, it is a great song. Um, and I often, you know, 
we'll maybe we'll do one this category one day level 42's greatest misses songs that should have been hits and for me that's number one i mean i understand it was a single uh but right but that song i mean all credit to phil gould for writing it um but that is just a, a, an amazing song both musically and lyrically absolutely i 100 percent agree and I win if I could just harp on Love Games, one you know, number two on your list. Just think about how rare to have that kind of groove in the format of a song. That is a that's a song, Love Games, right? It's not a it's not a yeah. jam. It, it's not a right. it's not a chant. Um, and and then it goes into different directions, like in the bridge. It, it kind of it's almost a little bit ballady. Um, but to have that as part of a song is really unique. That's, that's, that's a good, a good pick by you on that. Um, what about, what about you, Mikey? Of course, you know, you know, something about you lessons in love and, uh, living it up. If I put those songs aside for a moment on a shelf, that will always be there. Yeah. The three songs after that for me would have to be, See, now we're, now we're getting into cheating territory. <laughs> <laughs> three songs. Three songs. Those are, already, those are already in the casket, you know? Right. Um, uh, yeah, but something's got to be your favorite. Right. Yeah. Like, so so you're saying, well, okay, these things are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Let me mention those other ones. Okay. But... I think Mikey's no. cheating, Win. I think he's yeah, cheating. can't be doing it's, 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 it's all semantics. It's all semantics. No, Always. no, it's it's a serious question. <laughs> oh yeah. Your favorite three songs, and then because I sort of cheated with number four, right? Then put a you know honorable mention song in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, to make Winston ponder further, uh, I would say number one, love meeting love. Mm. Number two, Hours by the Window. Wow. And number three, Man. Oh, oh, that's a tough, that's a good one. When I get a fourth. You get an honorable mention. Yeah, Physical Presence. Mm. The the Live at Wembley version. Yep. Yeah. That's great. Oh, man. That's it. This could easily turn into, oh, it'd be easier for me to pick my top three from each album because it's, it's hard. Yep. (laughs) It's really hard. I, you know, those are great choices. Man is um, such a different, different song. Yeah. Um, You know, you think of the Standing in a Light album. uh, I'm sorry, Standing, Staring at the Sun album. Yeah. um, Yeah. Which, you know, was kind of maligned a little bit um i don't think that's the 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 fan base's favorite album if you if you did a a poll of everyone but that song is really unique i mean yeah it's almost like they have a darker side on that song which i absolutely love yeah and i you know i think you're right about the first part of when it was released but i think that album has really matured well and in in here and now yep if that, if that makes any sense it does and if you think about how little time they actually had to work on that album it, it's actually it's actually pretty good you know at the famous brad pitt studios in miraval and what that's France. Right. That's right. yeah uh no that's not it he didn't have anything to do with that at the time so don't give him any credit <laughs> he's just a hot guy we all get it right 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 of course when of course um can you just imagine can you just imagine though al murphy mike linda mark king and gary husband just jamming at Maryvale in france i mean i wonder how many cases of wine alone that gary and mark went through (laughs) (laughs) yeah and even if you think of a song like take a look i also would put that on my top three greatest misses for them uh because i also think that's another great melody line um that didn't, didn't really strike gold as it were you know? yeah uh for me if i had to say top three songs I, I it's always changing right i mean there's stuff that bops in and out but over the course of 30 something years i'm gonna put i'm gonna make something about you my honorable mention just because 
you hear it every day. I mean, I was walking yeah. in a I was walking in a CVS today, and there it was, right? I mean, it's part yeah. of the, it's everyday America suburbia. I remember one time, uh, a few years ago, um, something about you is playing on uh, in between innings on a, of a Mets game. Yeah. Um, it just it still happens. It's every day. Um, but for kind of lesser known songs and songs that strike me in in the heart, I guess uh, I always come around to Children Say, especially for the, you know, the offbeat in the chorus, really unusual step. Oh, that is a groove. Yeah. Right there. Yep. Um, what Mike Lindup is doing on the keyboards uh, during the chorus, um, really impressive, and and the coda of that song. Uh, it's just gorgeous. I, it's something I never get tired of listening to. Yeah, I fell in love with that song in like the first 12 to 15 measures of that song. Mm-hmm. Yep, same yeah. thing here. Yeah, That was the, not to jump in here, but I remember yep. I had gotten that cassette from a record shop in Manhattan. Yep. I was living in Jersey at the time. Mm-hmm. I get on the PATH train, put it in my Walkman, and that song just that was the first one to really stand out for me. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I probably had heard "Running in the Family" like a single, but that song I remember distinctly being on the PATH train between New York and Newark and Jersey Michael. City, right? I was going to no, I was going to Newark. Okay. I was gotcha. living in Newark, downtown Newark at the time. Right. And I remember like, oh my God, this is an amazing song. You know, one of the songs that hits you on the first listen, like Mike said. Like, yep. Yeah, there's no having to grow, have this song grow on me. That was an immediate reaction, like, ooh, this is this is this is great. I would love to have the sample of the opening of that song. You know, kind of the uh the guitar type um sequence that starts off the song that and it goes through throughout the song. It, yes. I don't think it's. I don't think it's anything you could. You you probably could. I've never tried it, but to kind of slow it down and play it, and then speed it back up so you get it. I would rather just have it as a gift. So if uh, Mike Lindup is listening, and he wants to email it to us. That would be fantastic. <laughs> there you go. Um, the other songs I would say. Uh, another song I would never shut off uh, is World Machine. The song World Machine. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just a killer groove. Um, Again, another song where the coda is just, you know, it is mesmerizing. I remember reading uh, Rolling Stone did a uh, a review of World Machine, the album, and they talked about it wasn't a very positive, um, it wasn't a very positive review, but I remember they called them, uh, they were like a below average white band, which oh, Lord. Was, yeah, it was pretty... But they did talk about the song World Machine, and they talked about how that was the best song, but the end of that song fades out too soon. And I tend to agree with that. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, I think if they had gone like eight more bars, like when they do it live and they switch, you know, a saxophone solo or guitar solo. Right. I just, I just love that song. <clears throat> and you know the don't knock the system and what Mark's doing on the bass at that point, yeah. it's just something I never ever ever get tired of. Yeah, that the 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 intricate bass thing that he does there in the last third of the song, mm-hmm. uh, just this countermanding bass line. Does that make sense? <laughs> going on, it's like, a, it's like a counterpoint. Yeah, and Mike's sense, and of course, just the the groove of that song uh the 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 u.s dub remix of that kind of instrumental is a really Mm -hmm. kick-ass remix if you you know what's great about that mike you can hear all the parts so great yeah yeah as a third-rate keyboardist me uh i like hearing those things because i'm like ah okay that's what they're trying to do there or no that's what i'm trying to do there they mastered it you know Yep, you know, that, totally. that that song got a lot of radio play in New York. Yeah, like the CD 101.9, right? When they could they could get I'm, it on there. It was on, I I don't remember hearing it on CD 101, but I'm sure I did. But it got mm-hmm. played on WBLS, which was oh, no typically, kidding. you know, R&B station. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So because, you know, New York had so many radio stations. I'm sure it still does. Not really. But there was always this competition of wanting to have that song by an artist that no one else is playing. Mm. And I'm sure someone at BLS was like, oh, this is this is funky. We're going with that. You know, and they were they were playing that, which, you know, wasn't a single. Nope. You know, they just took an a- album track and put it in rotation, you know, yeah. which was which was, you know, pretty cool. You know? Yeah. You, know? you talk about I mean, you well, sound like an old. Uh, you, you sound like we all sound like an old guy when we say those are the good old days when they would take an album track and get some airplay for it. Um, and that kind of leads me to my my top song because CD 101.9 would play this song, and that is uh, Good Man in a Storm. <clears throat> They'll probably, while we do this podcast, I will probably mention that song um, once, a, once a show. <laughs> it's just so great. And that's sort of a quasi ballad kind of feel of a song but but a very strong groove yeah it's not even the groove for me when it's the it's the there's something very kind of poignant about it i don't know i can't put my finger on it you know i know there's a backstory that maybe this is uh i can't remember if it was boone's lyrics for phil or phil's lyrics for boone i'm sure you guys remember better than i do and that's always kind of lurking in the background for me but uh, I think we can all relate to being what I get out of that song is um, trying to be a good person, no matter what other crap is going on around you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, yeah. that's kind of been it for me. I've always tried to be uh, a nice person. Uh, sometimes I fail miserably, but, um, and I would also yeah. say for anybody listening, you know, changes to the album that, Mike Lindup finally put out this summer after kind of a couple years worth of singles is, oh. is really, uh, it is a high point for the level 42 canon and level 42 re- related canon. It is right up there uh, with some of the best work that's ever come out from the band or solo guys. And uh, we will, yes. we will certainly be dedicating one of these episodes just solely to that album. Yeah, yep. yeah, the new classic. Yep. How lucky! Yeah. <laughs> I want to just mention something about Children Say. Go ahead, because you brought, and we were talking about the live at Wembley video. So in that song, I don't even can't even pinpoint where it happens, but there's sort of this percussive r- reverb synth part that Mike does. Mm-hmm. And I, that's one of my favorite parts of that live concert. And when he and whenever they do that song live now, because they specifically show that bit on the live at Wembley video release right. of him playing that little synth part that would be mm-hmm. echoes, you know, with the reverb. Yeah. And I always love so that to me when it gets to that part of the song, it's always a standout that that little thing that he does, you know on the synths and then to see him do that live on the video, you know, so that's always like a, a standout when they do that song on the vid- on the live Wembley video. Um, so, uh, yeah, it know. really, he's amazing. I mean, we always talk about the dexterity of Mark King, how he's able to play these songs and sing them at the same time and chew gum at the same time and think and entertain. Right. Uh, but the right. same, same goes for Mike, really. I mean, he is playing so many different parts. He's doing stuff with his feet and he's singing. Um, you know, maybe that's a little less now than back in the day um, with, you know, with sequencers, whatever. Yeah. But it's still pretty amazing what he's able to accomplish. Yeah. And he, I mean, just, and, and he, and, and it looks normal and he's not sweating it. You know, it's like totally routine for him and he's having yeah. fun in it. And, it looks like he's having a blast right now on tour. Guys, I really want to thank you for the first episode of Turn It On. I think, uh, you know, this could be a platform where not only, you know, we're going to get the Level 42 social crew to come and listen, but, you know, maybe those who aren't active on those forums and can happen to be podcast fans or will have something new to listen to. And I, I want to thank you for uh, getting this started today. And I look forward to working with you guys uh, over the next months and years. Who knows? 
It's not yeah. work, Bob. It's not work. <laughs> do, do we get paid for? We're not. We're not getting paid for this. Of course, we're not getting are, paid. For are this. we? Are, are, no, absolutely not. Um, you know, and and, and I'm, I'm sure if, you know people who are fans of something about you, lessons in love and running in the family, will love this podcast. And we're also doing it for those fans who like Beezer One, uh, Rocket, <laughs> and uh, Tracy. I don't know. I don't know. Right. we're going to do a special uh, episode strictly on the ape for people right you know you know we're going to ask intriguing questions like is that mike glendip's sister in the children's saving you no that Uh, was everyone thought that was his daughter right (laughs) oh you know i watched that video about two days ago so did i and it makes me feel so good yeah it does it's just a fun time yeah you know, watch that video. It's just like they were having so much fun and just being in public and all that. I don't know why, but I, 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 you know, probably I was probably on YouTube watching live clips of the current tour and it kind of led into that video. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So I was watching it two, two nights ago too. And how odd is that, that we would just randomly watch that? But, and I was noticing the comments, (laughs) people, I don't, read tur- com- I don't read right. the comments, bro. So the, there was a, a bunch of people comment that said, <clears throat> hey, you know, that girl, Barbara, who's uh, holding the papers, she's probably 50 years old right now. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, guys, it, it, there's got to be better things to think about than what this poor girl, how old she is right now. I mean, that's just not that's not a good conversation for anyone. Yeah, you know? yeah that's ridiculous. That doesn't make <laughs> me feel old at all. that's so funny yeah i i've i've learned on the internet don't read the comments right yeah because yeah invariably if you just post something and say you know what this children say song is amazing and i love it give it three minutes and there'll be someone telling you why you're wrong Yeah. yeah you know it's like really that's the first you know everyone's saying Good things about this thing right and there's always folks to chime in to tell you nope you're wrong yeah that thing well, for, sucks. Me, for me it's not three minutes <laughs> for me it's not three minutes it's about 20 seconds it's when i get yeah. well you're you're a fast typer <laughs> no i'm just always wrong that's a problem <laughs> well you know it's it's like you know we just offer our opinions we're not saying that our opinions are overriding anyone else's opinions in fact you know we look forward to I know we're going to be talking to fans around the world. Uh, we're going to be talking, uh, you know, their own experiences and their points of view, you know, bring up debates like Phil versus Gary, you know, we've all this stuff, you know, we're going to all let it out, you know, come to peace. Um, but, you know, what does Mark King whisper at the end of this something about you video? Another intriguing Ooh, question. I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. That's cl- that's a classic from back in the Web Digest days. Yeah, yeah. but we do have some we do have some good friends in the know who uh, can help guide us and point out the error in our ways and comments. So, yeah. and- <laughs> um, yeah, we have a lot of ground to cover, and uh, like I said earlier, guys, uh, I definitely look forward to, to covering that ground with both of you, and. Uh, I want to take this moment just to thank everybody who tuned in for the premiere episode of Turn It On, the Level 42 Fan Podcast. Again, guys, thank you. I uh, want to thank everybody who tuned in. Uh, we're going to sign off for now for Winston Walker. And for Mikey, I would never leave you. I thought you could stand the pain. I am Bob Considine. We are leaving you now, but we will wait until you return. See you next time. Adios. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night.